Take your Bibles with me this morning and turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 15. We'll be looking at one verse, a very familiar verse, John 15, verse 5. John 15, 5. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abide in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the privilege to be in your house. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege to uh, enjoy the fellowship of God's people, to hear them sing, to hear them be a testimony of your goodness. And Lord, we just thank you for the privilege of being a part of the family of God. There might be someone here today, Lord, who has never yet trusted Jesus as their Savior. And if that's true, we pray that today they might find out that Jesus loves them that he died for them and he wants to be their savior and then he can give them eternal life and a wonderful future if they'll put their trust in him so we pray for that person that they might do that today then lord we ask that all of us as christians might realize realize that without you we can do nothing and i pray that we might be submissive to your working in our lives and that you might um, make us to be the people that we need to be for your glory Thank you for loving us. Lord, thank you for all that you've done for us this week. And we thank you for that we can call you our Savior. And I pray that you might help this preacher today as he brings a message. Give enablement, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. When we look around us today, we see a world of people who think that they do not need the Lord. I mean, look at people and the way they act, the way they live. You'd think that they think they don't really need the Lord. They do not love him, they do not obey him, and they do not recognize that they owe everything to him, and that really without the Lord, they would not be able to do anything. And uh, that's so true today, but the world just doesn't seem to recognize that. But in our text this morning, Jesus said, without me, ye can do nothing. Now, I understand that the context is that this is talking to believers, And that's very true because that's what he says. But it's also true of everyone else that without the Lord, you can do nothing. We all need the Lord. Every person needs the Lord. From the lowliest to the most important, from the weakest to the strongest, from the poorest to the richest, from the most ignorant to the most learned, from the most reprobate to the most religious, from the meekest to the meanest, everybody needs needs the Lord. All people everywhere in every condition need the Lord. And that, and as we are we are not saying that we need a Lord as you often hear people see that say that you need to trust a higher power whoever that might be. No, we're not saying that you need a Lord. We're not saying that you, that you need a higher power. We're saying that you need the Lord because there is only one Lord and that's the Lord Jesus Christ the God of heaven, we need him. The Bible said in Matthew chapter 40, rather in Isaiah chapter 44, verse 8, God was speaking and he said this, Is there any God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. So there's none beside him. He said also in chapter 45, verses 5 and 6, I am the Lord and there is none else. There is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is none else. In chapter 45 of Isaiah, verse 18, it says this, 
For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it, he hath created it, in, he created it not in vain, he formed it to be inhabited, I am the Lord and there is none else. This one God, there's one God of the universe and he is the one who made everything. You notice he says that he made the heaven and then he points out that he made the earth and he made it to be inhabited. Today, people are looking for uh, going, trying to go to other planets, other places where they think there might be life. And they think they, they're looking for something that would make it inhabitable. But God says that he made the earth to be inhabited. I don't believe there's any others that, that are inhabitable. None others can support life. They might say that they find water. You need more than water. They might even say they find oxygen. You need more than that. You see, when God made the heavens and the earth, God started off making it covered with vegetation for man. God provides everything. God is the only God, and he says there is none else. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6 says, There is but one God the Father, of whom are all things, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things. If someone were to ask you today, for what do you need the Lord? For what do you need the Lord? What would your answer be? Well, I want us to consider that today. And uh, it could be, I'm sure all of you give an answer. And, my, and you might give a whole lot of answers. And I'm sure I won't cover all the answers today. But for what do you need the Lord? Well, first of all, we need the Lord for sustenance. Sustenance, by sustenance, I mean that that sustains or supports life. Many things that are important to life. Let me mention just a few. First of all, James chapter 1, the Lord says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from above, from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Everything that we need to sustain us comes from the Lord. Let's begin with life itself. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. It was the breath of life that God breathed into the nostrils of Adam that he made him a living soul. He would not have been a living soul apart from that. God gave him life, and it's true of all of us. I believe that life starts at conception, but wherever it starts, the Lord is the one who gives life. And so life comes from the Lord. He gives us life, and he's the one that keeps us living, and he's the one that decides when we're going to quit living because the Lord is the one who decides when you're going to die. So life comes from the Lord. Food comes from the Lord. The Bible says in Psalm 104, verse 4, He causeth grass to grow for the cattle and herb for the service of man, that he might bring forth food out of the earth. The Lord is the one who provides the food that we eat. Psalm 136 verse 25 says, Who giveth food to all flesh. Acts 14 verse 17. He did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, fulfilling our hearts or filling our hearts with food and gladness. The Lord is the one who gives food. So you take a proud, arrogant person who does not know the Lord, doesn't want to know the Lord, and curses God. And, he th and, he, and they say, you know, that, that, uh, that atheists, they say that they are so smart. So a lot of atheists are very intelligent. They might be very intelligent, but in many ways they're just fools. Because the Bible says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. But you take an atheist who might be rich and has everything the world could, 
could want. He doesn't have, he's not able to eat any food if it wasn't for the Lord. His food comes from God. God gives the sunshine. God gives everything that, that causes food to be produced. God gives the grass. God made the cattle. God made the animals. God made all the vegetation. God did it all. It all comes from the Lord. And so our sustenance of food comes from the Lord. Ability comes from the Lord. Some are, have different abilities. Some are able to draw. I can't draw. I can't even draw a good stick man. And uh, I'm not able to do that much. I remember when the kids were growing up, I learned to draw a dog. And they were amazed at the dog I would draw. And I practiced that so I could draw a dog. And, but I can't draw much of anything. But there are people who can take a, a canvas and just start with a pencil and just make it look great. I can't do that. But where did their ability come from? It came from the Lord. It came from the Lord. And so we have different abilities. First Peter chapter 4, verse 11 says, If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. I love this verse. I've referred to it many times. It says this, Who maketh thee to differ from one, from one another? Who maketh thee to differ from another? Everybody's different. You know, we have different abilities, different uh, things about us. Who makes us different? God does. And then it says this, and what hast thou that thou didst not receive? You say, I'm smart. Who gave you that? <laughs> I can do this. Who allowed you to do that? Who gave you the ability to do that? Uh, you might brag on your abilities, but abilities come from the Lord. Everything that we need to, sustain, to have life and to enjoy life comes from God. Let's say, let's talk about our children. Children are a blessing. I'd hate to think of a world without children. It wouldn't last long, would it? But children are coming on all the time, all the time, new children. And, and, and children bring, bring a blessing to people. Where do children come from? You remember the account in Genesis chapter 33. Uh, Jacob was going to meet his brother Esau. He was scared to death because he thought Esau was going to kill him. And so he brought, sent all these things ahead, and finally his family came, and, and finally met Esau, and he said, all said, who are these people with us? And here was Jacob's answer, the children which God hath graciously given thy servant. And that's true of everybody. All children come from the Lord. Psalm 127, verse 3 says, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Children are a blessing from the Lord. So all of these things about life, the sustenance of life. Uh, we need the Lord for sustenance. Well, God puts us in a family. You know, all of us come from families. I came from a good family. I thank the Lord for that. I have a rich heritage, and it's been a great blessing to me, and I had nothing to do with that whatsoever. Some other people come from bad families. I mean, dysfunctional families, and, and they didn't have a good dad, or they didn't have a good mom. It wasn't their fault. They had nothing to do with that, but that's the situation they came into. Well, God puts us in different situations. It doesn't mean that God is responsible for that because people make choices. But God puts us in homes, and sometimes those homes might not be the best home because of people's choices. But God was just the one who can sustain us and get us through that. God is the one who can give you victory through all of that. You need the Lord for sustenance every day in all manner and all parts of your life. You need the Lord in every situation. You need the Lord. So we need the Lord for sustenance. Then we need the Lord for self-identity. One of the reasons there are so many problems in humanity today 
is that most people today seem to have fallen for the lie of the theory of evolution. They've seemed to have fallen for that lie. We are told that we are evolved from monkeys, that thus man does not see himself as a special, as a special creation by God. They did not see themselves that way. And if we evolve by chance, then we are, we, answer, answerable, we are answerable to no one. And that's the way the evolutionist really looks at it because there is no God to answer to. And therefore, behavior becomes a man's choice and he does whatever he wants to and there's nobody to answer to. The result is that many have a, have a, have a faulty self-image. They don't understand who they really are. And people who do not know the Lord and people who follow the theory of evolution and believe it and, uh, and just believe that we're a product of evolution, they do not have a good self-identity. Uh, they really don't understand who they are. You know, I, I, I grew up in a home that believed the Bible. And I remember my mom had a plaque on the, on the, on the um, wall. And I remembered most of it by heart. And, but I forgot some of the lines, so I looked it up on the computer and found it. And it's called The Monkey's Disgrace. And uh, I remember reading that as a kid. And this is back 50-some years ago. Oh, well, longer than that. Uh, close to 70 years. <laughs> I saw this as a kid hanging on the wall. And it was a, a slice of a tree, a pine tree, I believe. And you know how they'll sl make a slice out of that and they make a plaque out of it. And it had these words on it. It was slacked over top of it. But I remember reading that many times as, as a kid. So my mom and dad, way back then, knew, had enough knowledge to know, have enough sense to know that evolution was a lie. And here's the monkey's uh, uh, point of view concerning it. Three monkeys sat in a coconut tree discussing things as they are said to be. Said one to the others, now listen, you two, there's a certain rumor that can't be true. That man descended from our noble race, the very idea, it's a great disgrace. No monkey ever deserted his wife, starved her babies, and ruined her life. And you've never known a mother monk to leave her babies with others to bunk or pass them on from one to another till they, hard, till they scarcely know who is their mother. And another thing you'll never see, a monk built a fence around a coconut tree and let the coconuts go to waste, forbidding all other monks to taste. Why, if I put a fence around this tree, starvation would force me to steal from thee. Here, here's another thing a monk won't do. Go out at night and get on a stew or use a gun or club or knife to take some other monkey's life. Yes, man descended that honorary cuss, but brother, he didn't descend from us. <laughs> well, that's, that's true, isn't it? That's just common sense. But people who believe evolution, they really don't have a proper self-identity. What is a proper self-identity? Well, to have the proper self-identity, you have to understand that you are made in the image of God. You're entirely different than animals. I know uh, the scientific classification is that we are an animal, that there are forms of animals, and we are one of them. We're sort of the highest animal. That is not true. We are not an animal. I don't care who with their PhD says that we are. We are not animals. We are different from animals. We're made in the image of God. And dogs can't say that. Horses can't say that. Cats surely can't say that. You know, <laughs> none of these animals can say they're made in the image of God. 
because only man is made in the image of God. And that makes us unique. And to have the proper self-identity, you have to understand you are made in the image of God. Another thing you have to understand is that even though you're made in the image of God, you are separated from a holy God because of your sin. Sin separates you from God. Also, you need to remember that you are so valuable, so valuable to God himself who made you, that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross of Calvary to pay for your sins, and he rose from the grave. He did that for you because he loved you. John 3, 16, God so loved the world, the wicked world, the sinful world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We have to believe that, uh, to have the proper self-identity, we have to understand that because of that, everyone is savable. I mean, there's hope for everybody. Everyone is savable because Jesus died for all. You can be rescued by God. You can be changed. You can have a bright future throughout all eternity. You can go to heaven. You can be a a child of God. You can have all that. To have the proper self-identity, you have to understand that. Well, people who've rejected the Lord don't understand that. As in any wonder, they live like animals because they actually believe they are. And so we have to have a proper self-identity, and only the Lord can give that. We, also need the, we all need the Lord for salvation. The salvation that we all need is from Jesus, and we all need him. It's found in him. The Bible says that everyone is a sinner and needs a Savior. Romans 3, verse 10 says, For all have sinned, so there is none righteous, no, not one. Verse 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all need a Savior, everybody. It doesn't matter who you are. We could say it like this, from the Pope to the pimp, we need a Savior. From the president to the preschooler, from the physician to the patient, from the pastor to the pusher, from the princess to the prostitute, everybody, everyone in between, everybody included, we all need a Savior. Everybody needs a Savior because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is only one Savior. It's not like you need a Savior, so pick your one. If there's only one Savior, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 4, verse 12, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Only Jesus is the Savior. There's one Savior. 1 John 5, verse 11 says, And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. You have to trust Jesus as your Savior. Let me illustrate for just a minute. Let me say that this is eternal life. All right, let's say that this Bible will pretend that this is Jesus. The way you get eternal life is you have to take Jesus. You can't take eternal life out of Jesus because it doesn't exist that way. The only way you can get eternal life is if you have Jesus. And that's what 1 John 5, 11 and 12 says. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. So I ask you this morning, have you trusted the Lord Jesus as your Savior? Have you trusted the Lord Jesus as your Savior? Everybody needs a Savior. Everybody needs a Savior. And so we have to have the Lord if we're going to have salvation. So have you trusted Jesus as your personal Savior. I ask that because I'm not assured that everybody here does.
know the Lord. It's not that I have somebody in mind and wonder, you know, I don't think they're saved. I don't have anybody in mind like that. I just know that in a congregation like this, it's very possible that someone is not saved. You know, my own testimony, I sat in a church for many years. Everybody thought I was saved. I was even studying for the ministry. Everybody thought I was saved, but God knew I wasn't, and I knew I wasn't, and finally I trusted Jesus as my Savior. I ask you, have you trusted the Lord as your Savior? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. This week on Thursday, I received a, a text from my son, Joseph. And Joseph said in this text, let me read it to you. He said, good morning. This was on Thursday morning. I'll be visiting a gentleman today at 1 o'clock, 2 p.m. your time, that is dying from cancer. They have hospice at his home. He claims to be saved, but his life has not reflected it. Please pray that God will give me the words to say as I talk with him about eternity. Thank you, Dad. I love you. I answered, will do. Ask him, when the day comes that you die, why do you think you will go to heaven? This will tell you what he's trusting. Love you, Dad. A few hours later, Joseph called me. He was excited. And he said, Dad, he said, I got to talk to this man. His name, I think, was Mike. And he said, um, I got to talk to him. And I went to, to him and I said, Mike, I know you're sick. And you know, they say you're not going to make it. So I've got, some, I've got something I have to talk to you about, and it might not, you might not like it, he said, but I better tell you this. He says, I've got some good news for you, and I've got some bad news. And uh, before he said that, he said, he told him, asked him that question. He said, Mike, he said, if you die, or when you die, why do you think you're going to go to heaven? And so he answered, and he said, well, I've tried to be a pretty good guy, and he started telling some good things. And Joseph said, Mike, I'm going to start with the bad news. He said, if that's the way it is, and you die like that, you're going to go to hell. And the guy looked at him, and he said, but I've got some good news. And that is, you can go to heaven if you'll trust Jesus. You see, Mike, it's not what you do. It's not what you've done. It's what Jesus did. And he shared with him the gospel. And that man... He was 73 years old on that day, thanked Joseph for telling him that, and he said, you know, I've been a church member, and I made a profession when I was 13 years old, but it was only because some of the people said, do you want to be baptized? And he said, okay. So I was baptized. And he said, after that, nobody paid much attention to me. And I've just thought all through these years that all they were interested in is getting another number. And he said, I understand now. And he gladly trusted Jesus as his Savior. Joseph was so excited. He said, Dad, I know I'm here to, to uh, direct music and all that. He's a worship pastor. He said, but this is better than music. <laughs> I said, yes, it is. Yes, it is. And I ask you today, you know, uh, people around you might think you're saved. You know whether you are or not. You know whether your faith is in what Jesus did. Not in what you do, but in what Jesus did. I tell people many times, and I enjoy telling this. You know, I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor over, 45 years, over 40 years. And, uh, but if I got what I deserved today, I'd go to hell. And they look at me. I said, that's right. I don't deserve heaven. 
I'm not going to heaven because of what I do. I'm going to heaven because of what Jesus did for me. And I remember the day that I put my faith and trust in what he did, not what I do. And he, tra- he saved me that day. You see, we all need the Lord for salvation. My, my question to you today is, you ha- do you have the Lord for salvation? Have you trusted him? And then another thing is, we all need the Lord for sanctification. You say sanctify means set apart. That's all it means. It means set apart. There's three tenses of sanctification in the Bible. There's past sanctification, which means that when you were saved, God took you out of the mass of humanity. He saved you. He set you over here to himself. Now you belong to him. It's like the Lord says, this one belongs to me. And he set you apart into himself. That's past sanctification. That happened when I was 22 years old. At, at the pastor's study in Zenial High, I remember when, when the Lord set me apart into himself, he saved me. And then there's present sanctification. That's when God begins, starts, that's when God works on you. And he's setting you apart into himself. When he takes you out of the mass of humanity, if it's a big rock, you picture it as a big rock. He sets you over here and he starts chipping away and he develops you to be the person that he wants you to be. And God's still working on us and he's still doing that. That's present sanctification. And then there's future sanctification where God will set us apart unto himself all the way to heaven. And we'll be out of, the, out of this world. We'll be away from all sin. And we'll have Jesus as, we have, having Jesus as our Savior, we'll be secure in heaven. And then we're waiting the day that we will have our new body at the, at the rapture when the Lord resurrects the body. And uh, we, we're looking forward to that future sanctification where God's going to set us apart into heaven with himself. But right now, we're involved in that present sanctification as believers. Only the Lord can do this. Saved people are being set apart by God so we can be what he wants us to be, what he desires for us to be. And that is what, what God is doing with us today. Only the Lord can make you the person that he wants you to be. And you have to uh, yield to his, his work. You have to let him work on you. And you have to let him uh, chip away at you. And you have to let him develop things in you that he wants to develop. And you have to let him make you patient if you're not patient. And tribulation works patience. So you have to let the Lord use those things to make you what he wants you to be. God's working on you. And so only the Lord can do that. And we need that. We need the Lord for that sanctification in our life. The Lord is the one who can make us better. The God's the one that can make me a better pastor. God's the one that can make a person a better officer, church officer. He can make you a better teacher. He can make you a better song leader. He can make you a better missionary. He can make you a better soul winner. He can make you a better better mother. He can make you a better father. He can make you a better grandparent or a role model to other people. He can make you a better employer. He can make you a better employee. He can make you a better neighbor. God is the one who works on the Christian to make him what he wants to be, and God is doing that, and we need that. Everybody needs that. You can't say, well, I have arrived. I have arrived. No, you haven't. God still wants to work on you. As the song says, he's still working on me to make me what he wants me to be. Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
It's the Lord who has to strengthen us to be what we need to be. Philippians 2 verse 13 says, For it is God who worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God's working in us. That's present sanctification, and we all need that. As believers, we need the Lord to to work on us. And then there's something else. We all need the Lord for sure direction. Sure direction. You see, as God works on us to make us what he wants us to be, we're going to face decisions in our life of what to do. I mean, God's working on us to make us more patient. God's working on us to make us more uh, pure and to make good decisions about things like that. But then we face these big decisions in our life. We need to know what to do. And God's the one that, can, that you need to give you sure direction. You see, when you face the decision of when to move or where to go or whether to go to college or who to marry or what job to take or when to change jobs or handle, how to handle problems at work or problems at home. Maybe it's problems with your spouse or maybe it's problems with your children. It's, we face decisions all the time of what to do, and it's the Lord who can give us sure direction to know what to do. Only God can do that. It is good to know that the Lord is the one who wants to direct our lives, and he will if we will let him. Flip, or Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Some of you today, I don't know it personally, but I imagine some of you are facing decisions. You want to know what you're supposed to do, which way you're supposed to go. What am I going to do about this decision that's, that's facing me? Well, you have to trust the Lord. And you don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and say, Lord, I want to do what you want me to do. I want to do it even if it seems un, 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 if it seems uh, unappealing to me. I want to do what you want me to do. I wait on you, Lord. Let me know what to do. That's seeking the Lord's direction. Jeremiah 10, verse 23 says, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. Yes, the Lord was the one who can direct us, and I thank the Lord that he's the one that that will give us that sure direction if we'll follow him. And then there's one final thing. We all, we all need the Lord for security. We all need the Lord for security. Now, really, security is the result of trusting the Lord for the things I've already mentioned. Let's go over them in a minute. Security is trusting the Lord for the things that comes when you trust the Lord for the things that we've mentioned. Sustenance. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, God says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You're faced with, Lord, I need, I need things to sustain me through life. What am I going to do? The Lord says, Trust me, and I promise you I will give you everything that you need. Now, that's security. Security comes as a result of, of trusting the Lord or following the Lord in your self-identity. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. Paul said this, If you trust the Lord as your Savior, you're a son of God, you're adopted into God's family, you're a child of God, you're an heir of God, and you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Now, how much better identity can you get that than that? I mean, that's security to know that, that I'm in the Lord's hands. 
I'm his child. He's adopted me. He's made me very, very own. He's, I'm, I'm an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. How can I get any better than that? That gives me great identity. And so we trust the Lord for that. We trust the Lord for salvation. John 10 tells us if you trust the Lord for salvation, the results of that. It says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Now that's security. <laughs> when you know that you're in the hand of God, you're in the hand of the Son, you're in the hand of the Father, and nobody can pluck you out of his hand. You have eternal life, and you will never perish. Now that's pretty much, that's, that's the security that you need. And so the result of knowing that will give you security. And also sanctification, that's God working on you. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Now that gives you security, knowing that as the Lord is working on you, he's not going to quit until he's finished. Now it might be hard, it might be tough sometimes, but the Lord's not going to quit until he's finished, and one day he's going to take you home, and one day you'll see Jesus, and you will be like him, for you shall see him as, you, as he is. Now that gives the security that God's not going to give up on you. He's still working, he'll continue to work, and he'll finish the job, and he will accomplish that which he began to do. And then there's, there's sure direction. Psalm 23, the psalmist said it like this, He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You see, if you follow the Lord's direction, you'll never go astray. If you do what God wants you to do, if he directs you to do, you'll never do the wrong thing. I'm amazed sometimes in the past I've had people uh, do something they knew were, was wrong. And it usually involved morality. And they will say something like this, I prayed about it. <laughs> you know, if, if the Bible says something is wrong, you don't need to pray about it. You just need to say, I'm not going to do that. But they'll say, I prayed about it. You don't pray about something that God has said is wrong. You just obey him. And so the Lord says, he will give you direction, and that direction will always be the path of righteousness. As the psalmist said, he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. Yes, only the Lord can give true security. David experienced that. And he, he, he says it in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now just think about him expressing his security. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now that sounds like a person who has security. Oh, we need security, but that comes from the Lord. Only he can give that. Uh, Paul expressed it as well in Romans chapter 8. 
He said, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And then expresses the love. He says, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now that sounds like security, and we are to have that, and we can have that, but it all comes from the Lord. There is absolutely no security outside of Jesus Christ. Think about that a minute. No security outside of Jesus Christ. You might say, well, I know this guy. He's not a believer, but he has everything. I mean, he has multi-millions of dollars. He has all that he could want, and he seems very secure. I know a man who I think is secure, and he doesn't know Jesus. Well, I read about a man like that too. He's the rich man in Luke 16. It says he fared sumptuously every day. That's explaining all that you just might just have explained about your rich man. He fared sumptuously every day. But then the Bible says this. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. No security. He thought he was secure. In this life, he seemed to be secure. And you might have health insurance and life insurance and auto insurance and home insurance and all kind of insurance. But when you die without Jesus, you don't have any insurance. Because when you die without Jesus, you'll go to a place where you have no possessions, you'll have no pleasures, you'll have no promise of a better day, you'll have no people to help you, you'll have no peace, you will have no hope. You are forever lost, and there's nothing you can do about it. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you will be forever lost. When you're still living, if, but if you're still living today, and all of us are, all of us are living, and if you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, there is still hope, because as long as you're alive, you have the privilege of coming to the Lord. In fact, the Lord says you need him, and he wants to help you. He said it like this in, in Matthew chapter 11, verses, verses 28, beginning verse 28. He said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, upon you, and learn of me. I am meek and lowly. And it says you can find rest into your souls. You can come to the Lord. You see, you need the Lord, and the great thing is, the Lord who you need says, come, come to me. And if you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can come to him today and put your faith in him and come and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I don't deserve heaven, and, uh, but I believe that Jesus died for me and paid for all my sin on the cross of Calvary. He, he paid for all of it, and he, he, he was buried and rose again as proof that it was all paid for and he wants, you want to be my Savior, and Lord, I want you to be my Savior. I accept you right now. I trust you as my Savior, and the Lord, I guarantee you, will save you if you'll call unto him like that. He will save you, make you a child of God. He'll adopt you into his family, and he'll assure you that you have eternal life, and nobody can pluck you out of his hand. But if you're saved, you know the Lord is your Savior. 
You need the Lord to help you every day. I need the Lord to help me every day. God can help us to be what he wants us to be, but we need him. Yes, everybody needs the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for helping us to see this simple truth that everybody needs Jesus. Lord, I just ask that if there's somebody here who has never personally trusted him as their Savior, that today they will. May they not delay. May they not put it off because today, tomorrow or even later today could be too late. And I ask, Lord, you'd work in their hearts. For us as Christians, may we understand we need you, Lord, and may we not fight against you. May we not uh, have a war in our own hearts about whether we should follow you. Lord, help us to willingly trust you and follow you and desire your, your leading every day in our life. Work in our hearts today, Lord. Accomplish your will through the preaching of God's word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.